Welcome back to another episode of the Know Your Rights podcast. My name is Alicia P. To my right, we have... Hi, I'm Carl Ferguson. I am a mental health advocate. And to my left, we have Jasmine. I'm Jasmine Simone, and I am a certified nutritionist and agricultural therapist. Wonderful. And our guest today is Dr. Milo Dotson. How are you today? I'm amazing. I'm amazing. Blessed to be here. Good. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Who are you? What are you? What do you do? Oh, man. Existential questions right <laughs> out of the back. Um, so I would say what I do. So I'm a licensed psychologist in the state of California, mm-hmm. born and raised here in Los Angeles area. And currently my position is that I serve as senior manager for diversity, inclusion and community outreach at Belkin International. Um subfields of psychology. My PhD is in counseling psychology, so that allows me to do the DNI work, diversity mm-hmm. and inclusion work, um, in addition to all of the therapy that I've offered, individual group therapy, um, as well as doing different research. So wonderful. Went to school for a million years to be able to do a million things. A lot of so. healing, a lot of healing. Love that. So today we actually are going to talk about trauma mm. and trauma in the news and mm. how that impacts everyone yeah. from our children to our black men to our black women yes. how it just essentially impacts us tell yeah. us a little bit about your perspective on that oh man you big old questions i know my goodness how much time <laughs> do we have okay so let me let me break it down like this we can experience trauma in multiple ways It doesn't have to be something that impacts us or physically happens to us directly. Mm -hmm. So you can have like a primary trauma or primary traumatic experience happening to you directly. Um, I'll be very, very honest here. So at the age of 15, I was assaulted by police when Mm -hmm. I was riding my Mm -hmm. bike home with my mom. And I know we've talked about this before. Um, So that was a direct trauma, traumatic experience that I experienced. So when I think about the work that I do with clients, the work that I get to do with my colleagues, when I'm hearing different experiences that other people have, think about that as a secondary experience of trauma or even vicariously, Mm -hmm. vicarious trauma. Mm -hmm. So the reason why this is important is because when we're thinking about seeing direct trauma happen to people in the news, that can still have a very real impact on us physically as well as emotionally, even though that incident didn't happen to us. Another example I can say is that when I'm providing therapy for folks who may have uh, PTSD, mm-hmm. who may have a uh, you know generalized anxiety disorder, it's really, really necessary for me as a psychologist to monitor my own mental health. Mm-hmm. Because just like we can be impacted by trauma in the news, I can be impacted by trauma from my clients. Again, vicariously. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so as we continue to see all the research out there about trauma, the impacts it has on our body, more and more research is coming out to point out that therapists, even medical doctors, Mm -hmm. have to really monitor ourselves. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. I never thought to that a psychologist would need to could possibly be impacted by the trauma from their patient. Yeah, I yeah. would have never assumed that. And, and I want to be clear for folks who are thinking um, almost here in the background, like, oh, man, am I making my therapist sad by, by sharing mm-hmm. that? And I want to be very clear that it's an honor to hold space mm-hmm. and allow people to feel, allow people to express, yeah. right? 
And so we are choosing to be there to create and to share that space. Mm -hmm. So if folks are considering sharing a traumatic experience for the first time with a therapist, feeling empowered to do that and not feeling burdened. Mm -hmm. Clients are never a burden on a therapist when they're wanting to share their traumatic experience. That's a good call out. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Thank you for putting clarity on that, as a matter of fact. Uh, uh, I wanted to touch on, you know, knowing that uh, we have a certain frequency of murders that happen with black and brown people due mm. to the, at the hands of police. Uh, I wanted to ask you, what do you think the effects are uh, on the mental health of the, our communities? Mm. You know, just seeing that happen so prevalently. Yeah, I think the the prevalence, um, and I'm sure the, the statistics would back this up, as we see these incidents more and more, even, and to be clear, we know this stuff has been happening for decades and decades prior to social media, right. prior to being able to capture even the old school like tapes and videos. Yeah. So we know that this has been happening. What I think is going on out there now is we're seeing it happen more often. Yeah. And so, again, we talked about vicarious trauma already, right? So we're experiencing vicarious trauma more often because of the prevalence of seeing these videos out there. Mm -hmm. So if, think about what we're saying here. I'm experiencing more and more traumatic events. I'm having more trauma exposed to my body. So by extension of that, we don't need to really think about this up here, like break it down. Our mental health is being impacted on a daily basis when mm -hmm. we're seeing these videos, mm -hmm. even if not by an hourly basis, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So we have to understand that our bodies process emotional pain, traumatic pain that way in the same way that they do physical pain. Mm -hmm. So mental health is just as real as physical health, mm -hmm. and there is no health without mental health, mm -hmm. especially when we see all this trauma happening left and right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the one thing that's like just to ring note a true truth to what you're saying is that uh, for my journey, mm. I've been eight years in therapy. Mm. It started with that frequency. You know, mm. I grew mm. up in the neighborhoods and didn't fully understand the magnitude of my PTSD. Mm. And once it started, not that we didn't know it was happening. Sure. But um, I believe Philando Castile was the one that for me mm. was like the... Mm. the final straw sure and sure. I just felt like this constant pressure and I just I didn't know why I was feeling off and yeah. decided to go to therapy for that so wow that honestly is what started the journey but yeah. again not realizing that the frequency of seeing it yes would impact me that way because I I'd, I'd numbed almost normalized it because right. of growing up in the neighborhood but wow. that extension of what you're saying is that you can still experience someone else's trauma absolutely because it relates you can absolutely still experience that. And I think the frequency of seeing something happen out there also needs to be buffered with the frequency of things that we're doing to take care of ourselves intentionally mm -hmm. and to heal ourselves intentionally. Mm -hmm. And I'm so, so glad that you took that as an opportunity to heal yourself. Mm -hmm. Because we know, myself as a black man, hearing so many different um, messages over the years around the stigma of mental health, mm -hmm. right? And there's so many brothers out there who don't go to therapy, right. who don't even think about that as an opportunity for themselves. So 
you know, podcast stuff aside, you know, Carl, I love you, man. I'm glad you took that as an opportunity nice. for yourself. That's beautiful. Appreciate it, brother. That is. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm so glad you mentioned that because when you said that, like, I just had to close my eyes and have a moment because that that was so hard for me as well. Like, mm-hmm. I, I shut down mm-hmm. with the Philando Castile. Mm. I mean, I'm telling you, I was like, it's too much. Mm-hmm. And then right after that, my tool is nature as an mm. agricultural therapist. I was in I was in the soil, mm-hmm. right? So mm. giving that trauma back to the soil. Bell Hooks wrote that when our ancestors were in the South, they had more incidences of depression and anxiety when we moved to the North because we were in the in the soil in the mm. land. Mm. And of course there was so much to be depressed about in the South. Yeah. Right. So I went I went to the I went to the to the farm. I went I was in the earth given that after that experience, I was in the woods, <laughs> like mm. seriously, because I had to, it's birth. So speaking of that, that's the tool as an agricultural therapist, that's what I work with. Mm. But what are some other tools that mental health tools that people mm. can incorporate mm-hmm. um, to recover mm. and replenish, you know, ourselves from these um, re-traumatizations? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I think um, I'm glad we're asking that. I'm glad we're learning in in community here. And I think in addition to uh, learning best in community, we also heal best in community. Mm. So as social beings, there's plenty, plenty of opportunities to heal and to connect, to be able to talk about it. And part of the reason why therapy works and works very well is because of that human connection, that one-to-one, mm-hmm. right? We're our most vulnerable potentially with a therapist. And we're using that as an example to then build other connections. So not just in a social way of nourishing ourselves, not just in a nutritional way, I know you appreciate that, physical activity, super, super key. For mm-hmm. me, playing basketball, soccer, going to the gym. Some of us also may be going to church, mm-hmm. being able to have that spiritual health, mm-hmm. right? And so I think there's lots of different buckets of ways to heal ourselves that we can tap into in various moments. Mm -hmm. If we're in a city, we may not have immediate access to greenery, right? Right. Mm -hmm. But how do I maybe then listen to a podcast about healing ourselves? Mm -hmm. How do I maybe do a virtual therapy session in my apartment? Yeah, Yeah. And so whatever it is that we feel helps us heal, feel good about feeling good, right? Mm-hmm. It's necessary. Mm, can you say that again? <laughs> Let me clear good. my throat too. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever like it that. is that helps us feel good, feel good about feeling good. That's nice. Giving ourselves permission to actually heal, right? Mm-hmm. That's the first step in any sort of self-care healing journey, giving ourselves permission. I get to heal. That's beautiful. I, I think, get to heal, yes. Yeah, again, g- giving yourself the grace and compassion that you deserve. Mm-hmm. It's very hard. People, people, myself included, we don't realize how often we don't allow ourselves that grace mm-hmm. of just finding that mental freedom yes. of just speaking to someone. That's it. Um, super important. Um, I think another question that I would have is about more so the recent effects of numbness mm. with seeing so much of this on television. Yeah seeing so much of it on social, at our fingertips. We're watching these things while we're in bed. Mm-hmm. With the recent murder of mm-hmm. Tyree Nichols, mm-hmm. 
this is the first one of the first instances since George Floyd's passing that mm -hmm. we haven't seen like an outlash of protesting in that same capacity. In the right, same right, capacity, right, right. Right, right? Do you think we're becoming numb to it? Let, let's go back to to understanding here in 2020. Because um, for me, learning is about context. Yeah. Nothing happens in isolation. So what happened with Tyree Nichols being murdered in 2023, very, very different from George Floyd being murdered in 2020. Isolation. And if you, correct. And if you think about at where we were as a world at that time in 2020, we're at home. Stillness. Right, end shut of May, down. beginning of June, shut down. Anxiety. Mm -hmm. Anxiety built up, depression mm -hmm. built up. People were feeling like Memorial Day around that, that time. Mm -hmm was gonna be that outlet that they had to get outside, right? right? And so this emotion, this ex expectation to be able to have the release to celebrate was then we were, we were presented with this vicarious trauma. Mm -hmm. And so the, pain, the emotions then get channeled to very valid emotions of anger, rage, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So we're expressing at that point we flash forward with the expectation, again, in context, that in 2023, things are going to have changed a yeah. little bit. And we see the repetition of black folks continuing to be murdered by the police. So to answer your question, the context is everything here. Three years later, it's still more of the same. Yeah. And when we have more of the same, we sometimes become desensitized to that, or yeah. as Carl said, we become numb to that. Mm -hmm. But what I want folks to understand is that numbing ourselves intentionally or unintentionally, we do that as a coping strategy. Mm -hmm. The reason why we desensitize at times is because our brains and our bodies and our hearts are not meant to have this level of exposure at this frequency. Mm -hmm. So we numb ourselves almost unconsciously like a, protection, like a protection mechanism exactly so we're trying to protect ourselves in this sort of abnormal situation and just because things happen continuously doesn't make them normal yeah yeah so what do i do well i'm gonna i'm gonna numb myself right to try to cope yeah essentially to try to protect myself so what, what i want folks to understand is that we're numbing ourselves as a coping mechanism Whereas the hope that I have for us as a people and as a community is that we can feel the feels in community. Mm, we can express, we can express and we can let that pain out to be able to let this community love in. Yeah. Right. And instead of numbing ourselves, if we can express, if we can intentionally practice self-care, that allows us to navigate this system in a way that's actually going to deconstruct and build this system back up in a way that it serves us, yeah. right? So nobody can do everything, but we all have to do something. Yeah. And that starts with being able to heal ourselves. I do think the healing is starting to happen slowly. Mm. Um, this instance on the other end of the spectrum was the one of the first instances as a community mm -hmm. that people advised each other not to watch to protect your peace. Like that was mm. more so... Yes the radical change in that situation than the actual protest. Yeah. Which I'm not saying one is more powerful than the other, but this one to me felt mm -hmm. safer. Correct. And better because it protected your peace. 
And I think to be clear, I want folks to understand there's no judgment if you choose to watch a video right. or you don't choose to watch a video. I'll right. be I'll be honest for myself, I couldn't watch a video. Yeah. Because as I'm oh man. <sighs> Take your time. So we know the video came out about 4 p.m., you know, give or take, mm -hmm. 4 p.m. on that Friday. And at 6 p.m., I was supposed to go to a church service to support folks to be in community in Monterey Park. Oh, man, you got to make me cry. And so when I'm thinking about this video coming out, I intentionally chose to protect my peace mm -hmm. because I had to ask myself and to say, I don't need to watch this to still know what happened. Exactly. Right. And I don't need to watch this to still want to, to fight back and support. to still heal myself and yeah. to still support my community. Yeah. In the past, I think what's changed is that people had this, sort of I need to see or I need to witness this, even if, you know, indirectly, mm -hmm. to be able to almost feel or to know that it's real or yeah. to know that yeah, it's yeah, happened. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and again, I'm not judging anybody if we choose to watch or we don't watch, but I want people to feel empowered and be intentional to live mindfully that you don't need to continue to expose yourself to, to that, that. Yeah. right? Protecting, I, I want to tell people directly, I need you to be able to protect your peace. Mm. And that's, that's what I had to do. Like I shared earlier, sometimes my the own trauma that I experienced as a 15-year-old black boy in front of my mom, that um, sometimes comes, up, comes back up unexpectedly. Yeah, of course. And what we know about trauma as well is that it, it compounds on what you previously experienced or what you saw happen before. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So going, going back to your question here, I think we can be intentional about protecting our peace, creating and maintaining boundaries, and still being aware about what's going on. If we are choosing to watch videos, more power to you. The only thing I would invite folks to consider is that to ask yourself, what am I hoping to get from watching this? Right. If I just want to see it to expose myself to that, I'm going to probably say, take that, take a pass. Mm -hmm. If you feel like you're wanting to see it for an intentional purpose, fully support that and know that it's still okay to turn that off at some point. Yeah. Um, thank you for sharing yeah. Uh, yeah. that moment. Um, you said something that's very important. Uh, you mentioned it a couple of times is the idea of community. Mm. And um, there's a an interesting space that we're in now where it seems like there's so much more isolation in the large numbers, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, somehow we're all connected but still feel like we're alone. Yeah, And I think that a lot of the digesting that used to happen with situations like this happen in town halls and community gatherings, whether they be mm. churches or what have yeah. you. Mm -hmm. Civil rights uh, movement right. were on the backbones, of the backs of those gatherings. Yes. You know, that's how information was uh, shared, but most importantly, it was digested, mm -hmm. you know? So you had a space that was safe to go through the emotions. Right. And we don't have that now. Right. So um, what I would like to ask is, what are some things that you think 
would help mm-hmm. with that because some of the people that are going through it, myself included, luckily I have therapy right. uh, to help me figure out ways to channel it. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of the problem is that one of the reasons we allow, we try to let it pass over us is we don't really have the tools to figure out how to process what Correct. we're feeling. Correct. Um, what are some suggestions you may have for that? Yeah, I, I think the the beauty of those outlets that you mentioned those are still around. Like mm-hmm. the, we can still tap back into those because we know that they've been uh, effective for us in the past and for for a lot of us. Um, sometimes I think the the gift and the shortcoming of social media is that we think we can just watch something and feel that dopamine hit right off mm-hmm. the bat, mm-hmm. and that's not always the case. We need to heal in person, right? Yeah. And sometimes I need community from going to the barbershop right Right. i'll tell you that first uh trip to the barbershop after bands were lifted in cal yo that was (laughs) (laughs) looking like a a black lumberjack (laughs) and then going to the barbershop to like see the brothers oh that was a beautiful thing oh man so sometimes i need that community sometimes i also need to go to church sometimes i do just want to scroll through ig right Mm -hmm. so we have the opportunity to create community in different ways. Um, and I just want folks to feel good about identifying, hey, this feels good for me. I have community here. Let me do this. Mm-hmm. And we can still and, and should hold the town halls, hold community events where we're all coming together. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of ways to do it and no one way is better than the other just being able to continue to pursue our joy. You know, Dr. Mala, what I'm, what I'm hearing you say when you say that is that people can be empowered yes. to identify mm-hmm. the tool that they're using mm-hmm. and that in, in itself can be therapeutic. Yeah. Like at this moment, I'm holding space. I'm going to this family gathering for the purpose of community. Yes. And just mm-hmm. even acknowledging why we're doing certain things mm-hmm. can be healing in itself. That's what I took from what you just said. Yeah, th- thank you for taking that. That sounded like, oh yeah, I was saying that. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for that. I think the learnings um, of this episode today is, th- the learnings are feel and be comfortable with feeling. Yes. Be also comfortable in speaking about your feelings. Yes. And creating community. Yes. And in that community, you'd be able to heal. Through all of those three things, we are, you will be able to heal. Yes. And it's a process. Mm-hmm. And it's a slow process. Mm-hmm. But at least we're starting the process through communication and talking and feeling. Absolutely. That's it. That's it. And Perfect. starting with grace and giving ourselves permission um, to feel the feels. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. Well, Dr. Milo, thank you so much for being so transparent, vulnerable, honest with us. I think these conversations are so helpful, especially for black men who are continuously seeing black men murdered, just scrolling on a phone or turning on the TV. So we appreciate the vulnerability that gives space and makes space for black men to identify and feel what what you feel through you. Mm -hmm. So thank you for that. I appreciate that. And thank you for watching another episode of the Know Your Rights Camp podcast. And if you want to know more about what we're doing, please visit knowyourrightscamp.org. Till next time.